inspiration, success stories, expert advice, strategies, new ideas, and amazing conversations. Everything you need to become a great speaker. This is Oscar Santolaya, and welcome to Time to Shine. Hello, and thank you for joining a new episode of Time to Shine podcast. Today we have a very engaging guest, a special guest from Toronto, Canada. Jerry Lewis is president and owner of Jerry Lewis Incorporated, an international communication organization specializing in employee engagement and change management communication. Jerry Lewis has led training workshops, conferences, and employee events in over 50 countries. Jerry is also an award-winning author, Shine, Communicate Your Way to a Brighter Career, recently won first place in the 2015 Small Business Trends Book Awards. Hello, Jerry. Hello, Oscar. Thank you for having me. Very nice having you, Jerry. Jerry, could you start telling us a bit of your journey to become both a speaker and trainer? Absolutely. Um, I think that my journey is, and I think very similar to a lot of people's careers, I think in your lifetime, there are many careers that can, uh, that someone can go through. And I, mine is no different. So the journey that I uh, have been on to become a speaker and trainer started with my, what I would call my first career, which was actually with a financial institution. And in that financial institution, which is one of the largest banks in Canada, one of my key roles was in training and developing employees. And so that's where I got started or where I found my passion, because I think sometimes in life, you don't always find your passion or what you think is your passion at the first uh, job that you have. So somehow in my career, I landed into the role of trainer and, and facilitator, and I loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. So I spent about 20 years actually with this bank. And then after that, I got another opportunity where it was also related to um, training and facilitation. And it was with an organization many of your listeners may know, which is the World Bank or the IMF. Mm -hmm. And with that, I had the opportunity not just to train and to speak, but I had the opportunity to travel, which is another passion of mine as well. So if you can imagine someone who loves training, speaking and traveling, I found probably the best job anyone can have. And what I what I received as a benefit from that was the ability to learn about different cultures. And I think that that's a very important part of speaking and shining as well, is to be able to understand um, the different cultures, uh, your different audiences around the world. After that, uh, a few years of doing that, I decided I think it's time to go on my own because I realized that what I really enjoyed doing was training, was speaking, was traveling and working with different cultures. So I thought, why don't I start a business that deals with all of that and see where it goes? And that was 2004 when I started. And uh, I haven't looked back since, Oscar. I it's one of these journeys that I, I actually don't believe that I'm at the end of this journey. I believe it's going to continue. But I, what I have learned along this journey is that if you look for things you enjoy doing and continue doing projects that bring you this joy, 
then part of the journey is going to be exciting. So whatever that is, whether it's a month from now, whether it's three years from now, I think it's something that if you follow what it is you really enjoy doing, then you'll find something great. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. You have visited so many countries, as you say, like 50, mm -hmm. 50 countries doing your, 50 your, countries. your yeah. workshops. And, and you know, it's Salute. interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of countries, but you know, it's interesting because each, I won't say each country, but various parts of the world have such different cultures. And mm. when it comes to, as what we're going to talk about today in terms of meetings and presenting, it's really understanding how that audience receives your message that's going to make you successful. So I think that that's a, it's a very interesting part. And that's something that I benefited from uh, in traveling to so many countries. It's just understanding what does it take to have your audience uh, be engaged with you? Yes. Something I was uh, talking with you before the, the recording is that, well, in this show, we are talking often about the, communicating on stage, being prepared mm -hmm. for the stage. But now we're going to talk about more in like meetings. Now the meeting room is the stage in this case. So I will start just asking you for the beginning. What are the, the complications that happen usually in meetings? I know you call it the four scenes of meetings. <laughs> yes. Can you tell us more about that? Sure. So Oscar, uh, definitely we can talk about the four sins of meetings, but what was interesting when you mentioned the stage was that, you know, whether you're in a theatrical sense or whether you're in a meeting on your job, it's still a stage because mm -hmm. your audience is observing you and to a certain extent they're judging you. So I think that it, it really does feel like you are on stage regardless of whether you're in a theater or a meeting. So when it comes to the four sins of meetings, and I call it the four sins because I think that we have all, as meeting attendees, experienced this before. And I hope your listeners, as they, as they listen to this, uh, they can have a, probably a smile on their face because they remember a meeting that has particularly gone wrong. So I'll go through them very uh, briefly with you. The first sin is what I call wastefulness. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by wastefulness as a sin is that I think we are in a society that holds far too many meetings when it doesn't need to be held. There mm -hmm. are a lot of times where things can be done. We have technology now. We can be very precise in our emails and in a quick phone call. But for some reason, we feel the need to meet. So I think one of the sins that we experience is people just having a meeting just for the sake of a meeting. So sometimes you'll even find people will say, you know what, let's have a meeting every week on Tuesday afternoon. And you don't realize, but after so many meetings on Tuesday afternoons, you realize there's really nothing to talk about, but people still meet. So one of the sins I talk about in my book is how do you avoid being wasteful? And the second uh, sin that I would talk about is disorderly conduct. And <laughs> I laugh at this because I, I recently attended a meeting that this was exactly what happened. And when we think about this orderly conduct as a term, what it, what it really means is it's just a meeting that's gone out of control. And mm -hmm. it's not the intention of people to have it go out of control. But what happens if you were an observer of that meeting? What it looks like is that people are having their own meetings and they're talking to their neighbor and they're not talking, they're not focusing on the person who's leading the meeting. They are trying to bring up other topics. 
So in my book, I talk about how do we actually keep the conduct or it organized as a meeting. And one of the things I talk about in the book is how important an agenda is. And Mm -hmm. because I think that a lot of people go into meetings without a clear agenda. They have an idea of what they want to talk about, but without a clear agenda that everyone can follow, that's the start of disorderly conduct. And sin number three is lateness. And I have to say, I am sometimes guilty of this as well. Uh, Oscar, I don't know if you are, but <laughs> but sometimes even with the best of intentions, we arrive late for meetings and mm. and that happens. But I think where the sin comes in and where it's very difficult when you're holding a meeting and if people are late, it's a common, I think it's a common f- mistake to say to everyone, oh, you know, so-and-so, Jane just uh, joined us. Um, you know, Jane, let me just update you mm, on everything yeah, yeah. that we talked about. And, you know, it's a good intention. And I'm sure Jane probably appreciates it. But unfortunately, the rest of the people in the room are kind of, you know what they will do, Oscar? They will suddenly go to their iPhones and Blackberries because they've heard everything you've said already. And now there's a little in their heads, they're going to take a little break. And what happens is that you've lost everyone else in the room and you're helping Jane. So what I talk about in the book in terms of dealing with lateness Mm -hmm. is certainly don't make Jane feel bad. To say to Jane, Jane, we are on this topic of the agenda now. Mm -hmm. And what I will do is at the end of the meeting, if you have a couple of minutes, I will brief you on the other things that we've covered. Is that okay? Because then then you can keep the meeting moving. And the last thing that I have is disengagement. And what I mean by disengagement and I have gone through this as well in the past where you're holding a meeting and you look around the room and you see that everyone looks so bored. They, <laughs> they, they look like, oh, they wish they weren't there. And, you know, that happens for a couple of reasons. But I really believe that if you want an engaged audience, whether it's in a meeting or whether you're on stage, you have to ask for it. You have to ask for people to participate. And I think that where we sometimes go wrong and why I call it the fourth sin is that we just end up doing all the talking so people will just simply sit back, listen, and sometimes even daydream. So those are the four sins that I talk about in my book. Mm-hmm. Excellent points, definitely. And I'm sure you've probably gone through it as well, Oscar. I'm sure you've been in meetings where you've experienced some of these mm-hmm. sins yourself. Yeah, this this uh, this late that you that you say is, is very important because uh, yeah, someone is late, and the, the 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 guy who is sharing the meeting will do the recap, and yeah, that's uh, <laughs> it takes a lot longer. Yeah, yeah, it's it's important to be uh, like put the authority. You no, know? yes, no, we we just go forward and and you know on that point of lateness, just. Hmm. To, one of the things that people really, really don't like, and it, it falls under the lateness sin as well, is you end up making everyone else late from that meeting, which mm-hmm. means you've gone on. So you say, you know, we're going to meet from 2 p.m. till 3 p.m. But because of whatever situation that happened along the way, it's now 3.05 mm-hmm. and the meeting is still going on. So in, in the chapter that I talk about the sin of lateness is not just not wasting time summarizing for people who are late, but also make sure that as a meeting holder, you're not late getting people out. And I always recommend in my book, I always say, 
you know, if you tell people you're meeting from 2 till 3 p.m., make it a conscious effort to finish that meeting no later than 2.55. Hmm. Right? That way, they'll appreciate that extra five minutes. They can go to the bathroom. They can grab Mm -hmm. a coffee. You know, people will know you as an efficient meeting holder. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a... That's a great strategy too. Could you um, summarize your top strategies for running effective meetings? Sure. I, I think there's um, there are a lot of things you can do. Certainly avoiding mm-hmm. the four sins, which is what I talked about <laughs> in the book. But I think if I were to say what are my top three strategies, I mm-hmm. would say number one, know exactly what you want the outcome of this meeting to be. And I think while that might sound very simplistic, I, I would challenge your listeners to ask that question before they hold the meeting. What do I want to achieve by the end of this meeting? Because if you say, well, there really isn't a lot to cover, then I would, I would suggest you might not need to hold the meeting. But if you say, well, my objective of this meeting is to agree on the following uh, three ideas that we need to present to the board, or we want to achieve, uh, or we want to get approval for this amount of money to go ahead to the next step, then that's a very clear objective. And then everything that happens on the agenda of that meeting should help that objective. If it doesn't, then it probably does not need to be on the meeting agenda. So number one, be very clear what you want the outcome to be. The second strategy I would suggest is to have the right people in the room. Mm. And I think sometimes when we hold meetings, we think, you know, the more people, the better. (laughs) And in some cases, that's true. In some cases, it's the absolute mistake to make. Because I think that, you know, when you're trying to, let's say, make a decision or get an approval, you, number one, need the right person in the room to say yes or no. If that individual is not in the room, then you're not actually going to reach your objective. You're going to get a lot of people saying, oh, that I think that should be good. I think that's a good idea. But you actually don't have that person in the room who can actually say, yes, go ahead, or no, I need to have more information. So having the right people in the room, very, very critical. And I think the third strategy I would say for an effective meeting beyond an outcome the right people in the room, is to be able to manage your time. And we have all been in meetings where there are so many agenda items and we either rush through it or we don't get through it or we make people late. So I think to be able to manage time is a very, uh, it's a skill that someone can work at to become better at. So a simple skill like looking at, well, if I have five topics um, and the meeting is going to be about an hour, then the maximum I should go on for each topic is 10 minutes. That's the maximum. And if we're not finished with that topic in 10 minutes, I'm going to have to say, you know what? Clearly, this is an important topic. We don't have an agreement yet. I'm going to move to the next one. And if we find time at the end of the meeting, we'll come back to topic number one. The ability to manage time during a meeting shows that number one, you're in control. And number two, that you have a sense of direction for where this meeting needs to go. So the three things I would say is have a clear objective or outcome of the meeting, make sure you have the right people in the room and manage time well. Those are, would be my top three, even though there are other strategies, those would be my top three strategies for meetings. 
Mm-hmm. Really very, very useful strategies. I, I definitely agree with you. The time management is so important in meetings and also in other, other situations like where you are, for instance, an event host, you have to also, it's like a, when you're IMC, for instance, it's like having a long meeting. You no, know? it's so important <laughs> that you really yeah. are maniac and about it, being on it's time. It's true. Mm. It's true. And you know what? People may not tell you how much they appreciate mm. your efficiency, but they'll they they think it. I guarantee you, they will think, "Wow, that was you were really good at." Mm. You know, because yeah. people were going on and on and on. Thank goodness you stopped, because otherwise we would have gone on forever. They they will think this. So it's a very important part to to uh, to conduct time management well. Yeah, people will notice definitely because it's, it's so common that uh, the the time is not really well managed. Yes. So yes. Jerry, now you have been giving us a lot of this tactical piece of advice, but I was thinking of before um, running a meeting, sharing a meeting, what about the mindset would you have to have for for sharing a meeting? What could you say about that? So I think mindset is your actually is a very good point because I think as a meeting, uh, a leader of a meeting, you have to be very clear about, I mentioned already what the outcome is, but I think a mindset that you need to have for all meetings, I, the first one I would call it, you have to add value. Mm. So in your mind, as you're planning your meeting, you need to be able to demonstrate what am I going to get out of this meeting? So if I'm an audience member, if I'm attendee, I would think, you know, how do I make sure that this meeting is adding value? People's time is a very scarce resource. Hmm. And to use up their time, use it wisely. So as I plan my meeting, I would say, okay, what is going to be most important to the people attending my meeting? So that's mindset number one. How can I be adding value? The second mindset I think you should have as a leader of a meeting is to always show some type of progress. And I call this, and I, I don't know if you've been in meetings like this, Oscar, where you feel you're sitting in this meeting and you think, I am positive we've been talking about this for the last three meetings already. <laughs> right? Like we've, we've talked about, have we not agreed on something already? I'm pretty sure we did. So, I think a very good test of a meeting is to show some type of progress. Are we moving forward? And if you can answer, well, yes, we're moving forward because the last meeting, we didn't have any themes for this event that's coming up. At this meeting, we're going to, our objective is to land on a theme. So yes, we are moving forward and thereby showing progress. So that's the second mindset I think a leader of the meeting must have. And a third one I think is really important, mm-hmm. and it comes down to engagement of your attendees and making sure they feel good, I think is to recognize people. Mm-hmm. I think everyone contributes to a meeting, uh, hopefully they do, and to be able to recognize them, to say, you know, thanks to you, Tom, for uh, suggesting that we go this route, and because of that, we actually uh, have arrived at our theme. So thank you, Tom, for, for suggesting that la- at the last meeting. So recognizing people in the meeting, number one, makes them feel good. Mm-hmm. Number two, I think it's always important to recognize people for their contributions. So when it comes to what is the mindset 
that a leader must have. I think it really is always thinking about as you're putting the agenda together, as you're planning for the meeting, is this going to add value? Is there something valuable for my attendees? Am I showing progress or am I just going in circles? And number three, am I recognizing people in the room? Because the more you recognize, the more people will be motivated to engage. The more motivated they will be to share even more ideas. And I think that if you go in with that type of meeting mentality, if you call it, mm-hmm. I think that you'll be a very successful leader in meetings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are giving a really good uh, combination of uh, characteristic of, uh, for the for the mindset of a. You have to have the mindset of an effective leader no? to, mm-hmm. to run to run a meeting. That's that's in an actual. You're a leader. Hmm. Your your audience, your the participants in a meeting is looking to you. They'll, they'll sit there and they look at you. So why are they looking at you? Because you're running the meeting or you're chairing the meeting, right? So you need to take control. And this is how you make sure that things keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Jerry, it's something that is already common in business and is becoming more and more common is this conference call. What a sh- is a type <laughs> of meetings, no? So <laughs> yes. I would like to hear from you. Um, what are the main challenges of these uh, type of meetings? Yes. Well, I, yes, you're absolutely right. Well, I think conference calls, if I'm, I, I don't have the latest stats, but I would, I would not be surprised if conference call style meetings are even more on the increase than face-to-face meetings, just mm-hmm. because we're, we're such a global economy now that yeah. we have to uh, meet on phone rather than in person. Um, I think the biggest challenge on conference calls, Oscar, is it's very difficult to control something you cannot see. When you're in a meeting that's face-to-face, the the fact that you can see people's, as they say, eyeball to eyeball, there is a sense of protocol, there's a sense of professionalism, there's a sense of decorum, there's even a sense of obligation to participate because you know, if, if I look at you and you haven't said a thing the entire meeting, you're going to know that you should probably participate. But on a conference call, none of that exists. You're not seeing anything. You're, you're just hearing, hopefully, voices. So I think the biggest challenge is how do you conduct a conference call that has a sense of control and purpose? That's probably the biggest obstacle. What do you have some uh, some particular experiences in conference call that something that best practices or something that went went bad in particular? Well, I, I let's let's I you know let's go with the negative. Let's see yeah. what goes wrong on a conference call, and then let's see if people and I'll try to talk about what we could do. So, mm-hmm. I think if I were to describe what makes a bad conference call, so how would what mm-hmm. would it sound like? What would you experience? Number one. There is no, I call it, there's no protocol, which means, you know, we are on the call, let's say, and, you know, you start with a hello and you hear a bunch of people saying hello. Mm, yeah. And then no one seems to take the lead. And what happens is then everyone starts speaking at once and then it goes out of control. So number one is protocol. And how I would manage that on a conference call, number one if you are calling for this conference call, if you're the chair of the conference call, 
The first thing I would do is, number one, obviously, I would assume that an agenda has been sent out. If not, don't have a conference call because the agenda <laughs> is going to be your lifeline. That is yeah. <laughs> the only thing that's, that's in common with everyone on this call that you cannot see. So an agenda is not only a necessity, it's, it's critical. The second thing I would do if you were leading the call is to demonstrate leadership. And it's a very simple thing. All you have to do is, you know, you welcome everyone on the call. Hi, it's Jerry. Thanks, everyone, for joining in. I'm just going to do a quick roll call just to make sure everyone's on the call. So, Jane, are you there, Jane? So Jane would say, yes, I'm here. Tom, are you there? Tom's mm -hmm. there. So what you're doing essentially is you are basically illustrating or demonstrating that you're the chair mm -hmm. and that you now know that Jane, Tom, Steve, they're all there. So they cannot hide anymore because <laughs> they've just verbalized themselves. So this way, you, number one, can see who's on the call. And number two, they know that they are now accountable to participate in the call. Um, so that's, so how do you manage the lack of control is doing that. So the second thing I think that what can go wrong and a best practice to help with that is when there is silence on the call. And I, th I think I've gone through many calls where you, you begin to wonder if people have hung up on you and what's <laughs> very important on these calls to make sure there's no silence is to simply say at the beginning of the call, you know, everyone, we have a lot on the agenda and I hope that everyone is going to participate. And what I'm going to do to make sure that everyone participates is I may call out to you um, to specifically ask you for your feedback. So if I don't hear from you, that's okay. I will call on you. So what you're doing in essence is you're putting everyone on notice that they need to engage. And I find that when you let people know that they are accountable to participate, they will. And so that's how you kind of manage that sort of silent or what I call the vacuum conference call. Then the third uh, sometimes uh, error or mistake that can happen on a conference call is when someone does the exact opposite of silence, which is they monopolize the call. They mm. just don't stop talking. And at first, you're thankful that someone is talking, but you soon realize that, you know what, this person is just talking too much. So again, you need to show, you need to lead uh, or demonstrate your leadership on the call. So let's say it's Tom, who has been speaking on every item on the agenda. And Tom starts again, and you say, Tom, you know, before you go on, I appreciate your contributions, but I'd really like to start uh, this particular question or this particular topic with Jane, followed by Steve, and then Tom, I'm going to come back to you, okay? I just want to hear what the other people have to say as well. So again, you're managing the call. You're not disregarding Tom, mm -hmm. and he's a contributor, but all you're saying to Tom is uh, your input is valuable, but I, I'd really like to hear from Jane and from Steve as well. So those are sort of what I would call the, the potential pitfalls of a conference call, the no order, the silence, or the dominant speaker. And I hopefully shared some best practices with you. But I think the main thing to keep in mind is the agenda. And that, because that is the one thing that is going to keep everyone on track.
during this invisible meeting or what I call it, where you can't see the other participants. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely a great, a great piece of advice what you are telling me because I, of course, have participated in conference calls and I think I never led a conference call, mm -hmm. but I have seen different type of participation and sometimes you don't know who's leading. It's not clear who's leading. Sometimes <laughs> two persons are trying to lead and it's still more messy in, in that way. It is tough. And you know what? It's, it's also tough. And I've experienced this too, Oscar. Sometimes when you're calling and it's a different time zone mm. and it's just because of the line. And I think people wouldn't understand it. Sometimes there is, um, I don't know what, I, I think I would describe it as there's a delay. Mm. You know what I mean? There's a sure. delay. Like right now you and I are talking and there's no delay, but I've, I've had conference calls where it would seem like a few seconds after I ask my question and before I hear them. And I think that's very difficult for a conference call because you're kind of thinking, what, what's happening? How come, how come it's taking them so long to respond? But recognize that technology is still, it's still sometimes not working to perfection. Mm -hmm. So once True. you understand that there might be a little bit of a pause because of technology, just take your time. Just uh, be comfortable with that pause because it's a necessary part. Instead of saying, you know, if you ask a question, you don't hear anything, and then you ask again, and what happens is then by the time you speak, you hear the other person. So then you bounce your voice off each other. So just take your time. Know the technology differentials as you're making the call. Yeah, another excellent piece of advice. Yes, definitely. It's like uh, having a different mindset for conference calls. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's how it, I see it. Is. That's how I see it. It is. <laughs> Very much. It's having patience, but definitely taking some control. It's important. Jerry, could you now share with us your favorite quotation? <laughs> I, You know, um, thinking through... The questions, I think this is probably the toughest one, only oh. because I think there are so many mm -hmm. great quotations out there. Uh, so I will share with you two if I could. Sure. One is uh, by Eleanor Roosevelt. And uh, I, I've heard of this quote probably, I would say, well over 15 years ago. And to this day... I still try to do this. And it's, um, the quote is, do something that scares you every day. Mm. And I think that's important because we are creatures of habit. And when you're talking about time to shine or how to be on stage, we all get nervous. Like nervous is part of our human DNA. We, I think it's an important part to feel nervous. I think that that's, that's something so innate. In, in us being human. But I think it's also important to learn to get over fear. And when I say do something that you fear every day, I, it doesn't have to be big. You know, you don't have to jump out of a plane. You don't have to bungee jump every day. I think sometimes doing something that scares you could be as small as picking up the phone and calling someone you've you've been meaning to call, but you've hesitated or procrastinated mm. on. That's something scary. So you know what? Do it that day. Because every time you do something that scares you or challenges you, you begin to build what I call character. Mm. You learn how to become a better person. And, and that leads to my second quote that I wanted to share with you. And it's a, it's a quote that I came up with that I like a lot. 
And, and that is learn to just always be better because better leads to breakthroughs. And I think that that quote for me is very much the DNA of shine because communication isn't something that you will be perfect at. Mm. I certainly am not perfect at communication and it's a journey. But I do believe that if we strive to become better, better at meetings, better on stage, better at whatever, at some point in time, we actually have a breakthrough. And I define that breakthrough moment as you suddenly say to yourself, oh my gosh, that went really well. Whether you know, you're doing a stage thing or a meeting, you suddenly say to yourself, I don't know what happened, but that was really comfortable. <laughs> and that's what becoming better is all about. It's not about perfection. It's about becoming better because better leads to breakthroughs. So I hope you enjoy those two. I think those are my two favorite quotes. <laughs> yeah, both were very nice. Could you now recommend us one book that has particularly inspiring or influential to you? That's, that's difficult too. But, but I think I will go from experience. And I remember reading this book when I was probably, I would say 16, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And I recently found out that this book was one of the very first um, what they would call self-help books in the market. So now we have, as you, you go to any bookstore, there are literally a million books on how to help yourself or what they call self-improvement books. But this particular one, I found out, it was one of the very first ones that came out in North America. And the author is Dale Carnegie. Mm -hmm. And his book title is How to Win Friends and Influence People. And the title is not, <laughs> is not what I would call a very, I don't know, a sharp or marketing title, mm -hmm. uh, but it, it's a very appropriate title because I think that that is exactly what we're trying to do, whether in life or in business, we're trying to win influence. We're trying to become influential. And his book was the first one I read, I remember it clearly. And to this day, there are many ideas that I know were part of who I am today. You know, and I think I would suggest if anyone has not read that book, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a very easy read. It's a good read. And it's, it certainly has helped me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a really fantastic book. I also read it. Um, Have you? Okay, good. long time ago. Also, yes. Mm -hmm. Also, highly recommended by me. Also, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, definitely. good. And so you, we have that in common as well. <laughs> absolutely. Not only the shine. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, as you see, the the title might sound a bit mm, not so salesy for these days, but from uh, for his time or Dale Carnegie's time, probably that was a really Nice title that mm -hmm. was the right title for that time. It was exactly the right title. Like mm -hmm. today, I don't know if he were, you know, <laughs> if he were rewriting it today, it might not be. It probably would be something much more short and, and, uh, yeah. you know, smart. But I think that would, that worked really well. And it, it has obviously worked well because it's, it's one of these books that I recommend to people all the time. 
Jerry, now could you share with us an exercise, something practical that you recommend doing daily or weekly as a routine to shine? Well, I know that you are a um, an area director for Toastmasters, mm-hmm. and I think that's a that's an incredible thing. And I and I encourage anyone to who want to become a better speaker to join some type of organization, whether it's Toastmasters or other ones. Because I think something that I try to do every day is to practice what I would call some of the basic principles of good communication. And that is sometimes it comes through practice. You, you know, when, when similar when you talk about being on stage or running a meeting, you can't be perfect at it. But the more you do, the more confidence you build, the more mistakes you make, the more you'll learn. The more people give you feedback and the more you ask for feedback, the more you'll learn. So I would say that something I practice every day is to find the opportunity. Don't shy away from the opportunity to put yourself a little bit into the spotlight. It's, it's, and it, and that goes hand in hand with doing something that scares you every day because that might not be the most comfortable thing. You might have listeners who, who really just out of necessity, they will present or hold a meeting or go on stage. Mm-hmm. And I would challenge their thinking to say, don't do it out of necessity. Do it because you know you're going to get better. So I would suggest that something to practice every day is do something. If it's presenting or speaking that makes you nervous, make sure you have, make sure you have some type of audience every day, whether it's an audience mm-hmm. of two or 200 or 2000. Make it get an audience because I think that that will that will build your confidence and you'll just become a better speaker. Well, thank you very much, Jerry, for all these uh, excellent uh, things about how to run meetings, conference calls, engagement, and all your expertise you have. Finally, could you tell us how we can learn more about you or follow you? What are the best ways? Sure. Well, I'm uh, my website is www jerrylewis.com that's jerry with a g Mm -hmm. and it's all one word so www.jerrylewis.com i'm also on facebook um, on twitter um, and my book can be purchased on my website and i sell through amazon kindle kobo and uh but i also welcome any one of your listeners to connect with me as well on my website because sometimes it's not about selling something. Sometimes you you just want to ask someone, how would I do this? And I certainly uh, invite all your listeners, if they have a question, if they're not sure about something, if they want to clear clarify something I talked about, please reach out to me either on Facebook, LinkedIn, or my website, and I'd be happy to connect with them. And Oscar, I want to thank you for um, giving me this moment to shine because Mm. it's a, it's a privilege and uh, it was wonderful connecting with you. This is the first time uh, we've connected and I hope certainly not the last time. Yeah, absolutely. It has been a a great conversation with you and I will put all your details. Thank you for also offering your, uh, your help to our our listeners also to contact you, connect with you. So I will put all this, uh, your contact information on the show notes of this episode and well, thanks a lot and well, keep shining and help, other people to shine thank you you as well oscar it was great talking to you all the best bye-bye bye-bye
Thank you for listening to today's episode. Did you like it? Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or visit us at timetoshinepodcast.com. Until next time... 